It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments, four locations to serve you, and you can reach them online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. If you shop in one of their four locations, mention VolQuest, you'll get 15% off of your total purchase. They've got locations in uh, Sevier County, in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and Sevierville, and the location in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along on this Tuesday edition of the podcast. Tennessee basketball is playing. We'll get to them in just a few minutes. They've got a game coming up uh, against South Carolina Upstate later tonight. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, obviously Memphis on the schedule and sort of where this basketball team is. Tennessee's off and running with bowl practice. And obviously there's a lot of talk and about a lot of talk about recruiting with National Signing Day coming up. On Wednesday, Austin, let's start with recruiting because that's on the forefront of everyone's mind. This has not been um, this has not been the close that Tennessee fans were hopeful for. Or Tennessee was hopeful for when you look at um, Gilbert going to Auburn on Monday. I don't know that that one was a total shock to anybody. I mean, Tennessee was never the clear front runner there, but they were in that um, certainly. Uh, but but elsewhere, um, not a lot of names on the board for Tennessee to potentially close with. Your assessment of Tennessee as they head into the final 48 hours here? Well, I mean, where we're kind of at is with the fact that, you know, the Juco DBs were always going to be a coin flip at best. I mean, like, it's just, you know, I mean, Keontae's in Utah. I mean, like, he he seemed like the most, you know, kind of far-fetched one the whole time, and now he's the only one left on the board. Um, And he'll do something on Wednesday. Um, You know, Gilbert – Seemed like there was more traction there. He had a lot of good talk, productive talks with Tennessee, um, you know, late last week, uh, heading into the weekend. But, uh, you know, Phil obviously felt more comfortable with Auburn, um, even with kind of all the, you know, kind of uncertainty around, you know, Brian Harson and, and, and that program. Um, you know, flip it to a guy like Darren Agu or Agu, um, it, it, that one, I, that's why I wrote it the way I did in the war room. I mean, Tennessee hubs, you, you talked to him. I talked to him. We said there, I mean, like that kid was as good as committed when he left here a week ago, but you know, he, he followed Clark Lee from Notre Dame to Vandy, you know, when he got back to Vanderbilt and he's got a high school teammate that's committed to Vanderbilt. So you just don't know how that went. Like, you know, I mean, I, you can speculate a lot of different ways, you know, with potential, like, you know, things with it when you got a teammate involved, um, and, um, you know, so that one seems like it's went the other direction. Um, Tyree West, I, I definitely would lean to FSU at this point. Rodney's still swinging there. Um, Akis, I think Tennessee will probably get him. But, you know, he does have some sense of loyalty, Brent, to, to Illinois. I mean, you know, they've been recruiting him longer than anybody. Now, as pointed out on the board, the kid's been committed to Tulane, not, not Illinois. I right. mean, like Agu was committed to Bandy. So feeling loyalty to Clark Lee and Bandy makes sense, you know. Um, you know, but I, if, if you're asking me, I'd probably still I'd lean to Tennessee on Aukus, but you know that kid doesn't do a lot of talking. I mean, he's he's kind of a, a hermit when it comes to you know you know recruiting and that type of thing. And then uh, you know you got Justin Williams, who again I, I think Tennessee's going to get Justin Williams. I, I feel as good as you can feel, but I never feel super good heading into signing day, especially. When you got certain teams hanging around, Auburn, 
Yeah, and and you know, again, I, I think that you know the bigger question. I mean, with with Agu, that's a surprise, no no doubt. I think Tennessee's continued to have some dialogue there, but um, is it enough? You know, what are the what are the surrounding factors as you mentioned with his teammate and those types of things? Um, I think the bigger question, bigger picture deal, Austin is kind of where Tennessee's at right now. I mean, the, the numbers that they have available, um, the numbers of guys who are remaining on the board, um, you know, everybody wants to know, how, you know, all right, this year's a wash, right? That was the big, that was the big discussion in the chat. All right, this year, this year's a wash in a lot of ways. So let's talk about 23s without getting specific in names. When you look at this, it feels like Tennessee maybe has to cast a wider net earlier um, in 23, particularly on the defensive side. I mean, you look at the two junior college defensive backs, they were late offers, right? Um, Agu was not a guy Tennessee was working back in the summer. Um, you know, Emba's a guy who came on the radar screen after Rodney went and saw him in, what, October is a guy yep. that they offered. August they just kind of got in on. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that that they're gonna they're gonna have to cast a wider net and have a deeper pool of guys than what they've kind of had here at, at at the finish line. Is that? Yeah, fair? I mean, you, no, I think that is fair. I mean, like you know, it, I think it's okay to be critical that they were late on some guys, or as far as late, you know, I mean, like they may have offered, but like I'm talking about like being persistent and consistent in recruiting one you know, the kid, um, you know, that to me, that's, that's okay. I mean, like you, it's, it's okay to be critical of that. Like, you know, I mean, sometimes it wasn't their fault. I mean, like they tried, there were several times where they tried to get a kid or two to campus and, you know, it just, I mean, no matter what they did, they could, you know, move heavens and earth and it wasn't going to happen, you know, and then that's not on them, you know, yeah, I mean, Right, and part of that stemmed around, the, you know, the stuff they were battling with or the investigation. Yeah, early which, on, yeah. Which is still not completely wrapped up, obviously, and 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 surrounding the unknowns. Okay, what are you going to be? I mean, I think I think there was a feeling that, all right, they have some success this fall, and all of a sudden there would be kind of a windfall of a bunch of guys, you know, not a, not a, not a ton, but, you know, guys ready to jump in or, or more interested in it. And, I mean – Listen, I mean, they got, they got, they finished second. They're going to finish second with Demario Tolan, and you know, but that doesn't mean you get him, right? I mean, they, they couldn't, they couldn't beat out LSU for him in the end, where he was already committed. Um, so, I, I just, I just feel like they were a little thin in numbers, and and maybe that's maybe that's because the, of, of everything that they dealt with that was out of their control. Um, the, I mean, some people, some people have asked Hubs like, why do you, if if you're not if you're if you've got spots, why are you cutting a kid? Now, I, I don't know why Tennessee waited so long. I mean, like their, their tight end situations kind of been what it was. I mean, Princeton Fant wasn't going pro, and so he was. If he was as long as he wanted to play football, he was always coming back. You know, I mean, you weren't losing anybody else. So, like the number of tight ends you had in that room wasn't wasn't going to change for several months. So, why did you wait until right here at the end to cut? You know, Brody Foley, whereas. You know, I understand, you know, hey, if you don't would, – would you rather use that spot potentially on a, another wide receiver in the portal or a linebacker in the portal? I get it. I mean, I just don't know why you waited so long um, to, to pull the trigger right here. But, I mean, they're going to have to live in the portal. And, again, I just don't think that's – long term, I don't think that's sustainable. I think the portal is, is, is 
two, three spots, you know, on a normal team, on a normal year to fill some gaps and some holes. You know, I just don't think you I think it's a band-aid. It's not a cure. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, they, they put this new rule in place to where, like, you can sign – that way it doesn't hurt the high school kids in theory. Like, you still send – you still sign 25 high school kids or JUCOs, and then if you have seven guys leave, you can replace up seven guys, you know, and so um, on a normal year. So, I, I just don't – I think signing 20 and trying to go get the portal and get, you know, double digits just seems I, – I, that, that's the part that I just think that you can't survive. No, no. At the end of the day, don't you think the biggest – I mean, and this this is out of Heifel's control, but I think had the biggest impact on this class was what a good year it was in state. You've got COVID. You've got a brand-new staff getting here late, trying to build relationships when they're playing catch-up the whole way, and you have a whole bunch of kids that had been cooped up in their, ho- you know, in their houses for 18 months that finally got out to take visits in June, and a bunch of them wanted to commit early. And Tennessee it, had about three months to build, you know, to try and, and sell themselves and build relationships against programs that had been doing it for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those kids wanted to go in June and, you know, or before June. Um, I mean, like, you know, the Wades committed back in what April, um, you know, and and you know, Tennessee had that one, you know, you know, far down the road, and then it went south. Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, Dallin never came to campus. You know, um, you know, Jordan James, you know, he was ready to commit to Jay Graham in the last staff. New staff comes in. He kind of falls through the cracks um, from a standpoint of like, you know, that, you know, four to six weeks where Tennessee, you know, didn't have an AD head coach all the way up to Jerry Max hiring. You know, that's when Georgia and, and really Alabama, too, made their move with Jordan James. And by the time Tennessee tried to swing there, it was too late. Well, um, that's what that's what makes January so important for, for this staff. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of portal stuff, and, and you know, Tennessee's going to go to work there, and they're going to try to fill in some more spots, you know, in January with some high school kids, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And James Pierce not going to do anything in, on Wednesday, we don't think, and Tennessee will will swing there till till you know February. There'll be a couple other defensive linemen, I'm sure that don't sign that Tennessee is going to try to continue to be a part of and, um, you know, and, and see if they can go there, but they have got to make a lot of hay um, in January with 23s and, and, and play catch up there and, and some of that relationship building. They've been working on 23s. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to imply that they haven't, but um, it, it's a huge month for them in January to, to be in schools and to be out there and, and see some, you know, some 23 prospects in the schools and, and work on getting them to campus, you know, work on getting them there for unofficial visits, or even if it's an official visit you got to do, whatever the case may be, that's going to be a key, key element for, for Tennessee in, in 23, because the, the reality is Tennessee's got to recruit better in 23. Um, they got to have a better class in 23 than what it looks like they're going to finish up with in 22. You mean like last year, January was a total wash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it, it was, it was, and, and you got to, you got to go make productive, you know, be productive in, in the month of January and, and move forward in, in the, tw- in the 23 class. And for the 22 class, you're going to have to hit on a couple of guys late maybe, and you're going to have to win in the transfer portal heavier than you probably want to be in the transfer portal. 
Um, yep. it's, it's ironic, Rob, this is the year of the quarterback in the transfer portal, and it doesn't help Tennessee because they're okay at quarterback, you know? I mean, there, there are more, more big-name quarterbacks in the portal than we'll probably ever see when you look at what's going on out there right now. Um, but this is not a time where Tennessee is involved in a quarterback because a big-name quarterback's not going to be interested in coming to Tennessee with Hendon Cooker coming back. And, you know, I would take Hooker over the guys that are available in the portal at this point, the big-name guys. I mean, personally, for in this offense, I mean, I think – I, I mean, you, you, I better, would too. He's a better seen, fit than Max Johnson or Calzada or Bo Nix or, or some of those big names that are out there, in my opinion. I agree with you, and he's proven. That's the biggest thing with me. I mean, maybe some guy comes in and can beat him out, but, I mean, Hooker has shown you what he can do. He's got 12 games on tape of, of showing you what he looks like in this offense and, and what this offense can look like with him. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's all about building out you know, finding help. Yep, and finding help at receiver and finding help on the offensive line. Austin, th- th- I mean, with where they're at right now, I mean, Mincy's going to end up here, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I always felt that way. But again, like people on the board, like there's a protocol. Like there's a protocol for the kid. Like, <laughs> most kids just don't tweet they're committed. Like if I tweet I'm working for ESPN, but I don't talk to anybody at ESPN yet, does that mean I'm working there? Like, I mean, you know, same thing. Like when he when he tweeted, like Tennessee, nobody on Tennessee staff had a clue that was coming. Had not talked to him. I mean, they you know he was on his visit. They haven't done over his visit. And so, like, that's one of those things where, like, is Tennessee going to take him? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, 97 – I said twice, I said 97%. You know, there are a couple of factors there um, that could that could keep it from happening. But, you know, 97 out of 100 times, it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Now, he's a good-looking kid, Brent. We both saw him Sunday at, at the hotel. I mean, you know, but when, you know, when you look at Tennessee's tackles, Jeremiah Crawford, R.J. Perry – um, and, and then potentially him, like they don't have a whole lot of difference as far as experience. Right. Oh, they don't. I mean, um, but they need depth at that position. They're going to have numbers. So I, I think that's why we're, we're both in agreement that he may not necessarily be a guy who comes in and is their answer right away. Maybe he is. We'll, we'll see. But it would only make sense that that he would be here um, and, and be a part of this class as a January enrollee. Everybody's asking about uh, – about uh, verse, about Jared verse, it, it it feels like Austin that that, that one's not going to go down until after Christmas in terms of the decision. He, I talked to him on Monday, and I said, I just, I said, I know you just left yesterday. I said, I just want to see, like, you know, has the has the visit highs worn off from all of them? You know, because he because he had a crazy week. He had a crazy week. His dad went to two. His mom went to two, and. Um, the mom went to Tennessee and Florida State. Dad went to the previous two. Um, Houston and I forget. Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. And, um, you know, he told me there's a chance that he waits until the dead period lifts in January before school starts back and he takes one more visit. Um, but he said, I'm not, that's not a locked-in thing. If I can figure out what I want to do, I would just try to come to a decision sometime, you know, before the new year, which is what he told us yesterday. But there is the option for him to potentially take a fifth visit in the month of January. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Big picture recruiting thing, a lot of buzz out there, some talk out there about elimination of the early signing period, moving the early – Would do you guys think that that's realistic to eliminate something that's 
been in place here the last three to five years. Do you, do you think that's even a, you think that's just talk or do you think that's something that is a legitimate possibility that they would go back to the old system? I mean, I think it's, I mean, I don't think it's impossible, but like, like I've always said, I mean, if you really want to put teeth in it, let the kids sign before Labor Day. Cause I mean, it's not taking any pressure off the kids to deal with recruiting during, during the high school football season to let them sign when their season's over in December. I mean, you're basically with, with the dead period in place for just about all December while, while bowl practices and games are going on. Really, how much hassle are you saving these kids? Three weeks in January? Yep. That you're, shielding them, you're shielding them from the, rec the recruiting circus? I mean, I don't know if it's realistic to put it in September but, or, you know, at Labor Day the deadline. But, I mean, kids can take official visits when they're juniors now. I mean, they can go out there and gather this information. They're traveling more than they ever have earlier in their high school careers as far as getting to, you know, camps and, you know, sophomore or junior days in, in February in the spring. I just, I mean, if you, if you want to make it, if you want to make it a game changer, let them do it in September I mean, before their season starts. Yeah. I mean, I always believed that, that the December date was going to be a challenge because of coaches moving and it did not benefit. I mean, if I were advising a kid, I would have said, hey, don't sign until February, but that's hard to do because a kid's afraid he's going to lose his spot. Uh, but you've got high-profile coaches moving this year, and that's created some of this discussion. We'll be, um, you know, interesting to see what, what, what comes out of this and more conventions and talks. I know it was something that was discussed um, at some convention meetings and gatherings in Las Vegas last week. But also, I mean, it's – I mean, unlike in the past, like 10, 15 years ago, every kid that wants out of his letter is getting out of his letter. You know, that nobody gets held to that anymore. So if there is a coaching change, I mean, that's not hanging over your head like it might have been in the past. That's true. That, that's true. Um, so we'll see what, what happens with that. We'll see what happens with Tennessee here over these the next 24 hours as we head into Wednesday morning and National Signing Day. We'll – um, do everything we can to track as much as we can here over the, re the remaining day today uh, in the final push is Tennessee, just a handful of prospects on the board uh, that are expected to make decisions and, and sign on Wednesday. We'll, we'll continue to track that as best we can. Um, on the football front, Tennessee on the practice field, getting ready for Purdue in the bowl game. Uh, had a chance to see Jordan Phillips um, on the practice field. Um, you know, get him here for some bowl prep. Uh, you know, how much does he gain out of it? We'll, we'll see, but get, get a couple of days here. Um, I, I think the biggest news at this point, Austin, is it looks like everybody's going to play in this bowl game. I mean, Purdue's had two opt-outs. It looks like everybody's going to play for Tennessee with the exception of Alante, and we'll see what Cade does. Other than that, it feels like everybody's going to be back, and, and there's no opt-outs for Tennessee. Um, something could change, but you know, if you were going to opt out, you'd probably already be home. You probably wouldn't be getting up and going to an 8 o'clock practice uh, in, in December, and it's, you know, 30 degrees outside if you're, if you're going outside and practicing. So, um, you know, pretty much fundamental work on, on, on Tuesday, and I think most of this week will be fundamental work, and then a um, little bit of look at some Purdue stuff, and then Tennessee will meet in – um, Nashville Christmas night. They'll practice on the morning of the 26th in Nashville, go through a regular game week and, and get ready for uh, P Purdue and, and the Music City Bowl there. So it's kind of the latest there in football. Um, Cade, I mean, it doesn't feel like he's going to play to me, Austin. You think he's going to try to give this thing a go? 
Well, I said in the two minute drill, he's he's got a shot in the ankle. I don't I don't think you're getting the shot in the ankle if you're 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 not going to at least try to attempt something here. Um, you know, we'll see though. I mean, I would call it totally coin flip, fifty fifty type thing. Um, and like I said, you know, on the board Monday, you know, I I think chances of him coming back are twenty five percent. I wouldn't totally close the door on it, but you know, I I also think it would be, you know. Foolish to think he's not at least leaning towards going pro. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, that had been his thought, I think, throughout most of the season, probably up until the ankle injury, at least, you know, and, and the ankle situation probably gave him some pause to open the door to, to at least looking at, at what was best for him, short-term, long-term, whether or not coming back made sense or, or doesn't make sense. I think he's still going through, you know, that that process. So we'll see, you know, what happens with that? By the way, Tyler Barron going to be on Tennessee Prime tonight, um, and and we'll talk about kind of where he is and everything going on with him and his season, and um, you know what he's looking forward to mo- moving forward with Tennessee. So that's coming up later tonight. Um, you can catch that obviously on on YouTube streamed, and we'll have all the you know the podcast of that up and everything else coming up later tonight. All right, let's talk about the Tennessee basketball team, Rob. Um, South Carolina Upstate team that came in here last year, shot the ball well, slowed the game down, wasn't the prettiest night of basketball for Tennessee. Uh, a little different um, team this year. Uh, they're scoring a little bit more than they have in the past. And, of course, you got Tennessee's got Memphis looming. What do you need to see out of this Tennessee basketball team tonight? I'd like to see Tennessee score inside. Because right now, against good teams, and it's not going to matter tonight, but against good teams, I mean, doesn't it, it pretty much feel like if the three point if if the, if the three pointers are falling, they're gonna, they're going to win. If they're not, it's going to be a long night. Because, I mean, John Fulkerson is averaging just about half of what he averaged two years ago as a scorer. He's at seven point nine points per game now after scoring two on Saturday, and he took three shots. I mean, he's just. I mean, I'm sure teams are. I'm, I'm sure double teams and, and that kind of stuff are part of it. He doesn't want to force the issue, but. um, they need some help in there, and, and, and you know me. I've been – and I'm not the only one. Fans are too. I want to see more Brandon Huntley athlete. I'm okay with him having four turnovers and blowing three diff- defensive assignments tonight if he can get 22, 24 minutes and, you know, get – really get some work on tape that you could go in and into the film room and say, Here, you know, here's where, here's where you screwed up. Here's where you screwed up. Here's where you screwed up. Because right now, I mean, we all expected – I mean, you can look at the roster. I mean, it was going to be a guard-oriented team. But, you know, Kennedy's averaging about 15 a game. Santi's averaging about 14 a game. And you don't know what you're getting any night from Fulkerson and Camwa. I mean, Camwa's numbers don't look that bad. He's averaging 8.1. But he's had four games where he scored three points or less. And that that number, his average is really being bolstered by going off against Tennessee Tech and ETSU. When you look at Fulkerson, I mean, is that is it a lack of aggression? Is it just is, is it the fact that he doesn't have a a Batman or a Robin, if you will, in, inside to, to kind of where teams can't just crowd him and and and, and push him around or, or double him or, or take take things away with him? Is is it because he doesn't have any help? You think that's the biggest thing? I think the biggest thing is, and this is just, I mean, I may be wrong because this is very simple, but sometimes you know you keep it simple, stupid, and that's the best. I think teams are just pounding him. I mean, I think even even the UNC Greensboro's of the world are just playing him extremely physical, knocking him off his spots, and 
just the laws of nature. I mean, he has a hard time battling that. And I think another thing, and Rick, Rick talks about this a lot, and if you watch it, I think it's true. He's got to get to work quick. I mean, he's got to make, he's got to get the ball and make a quick move because if it's two or three dribbles and he's trying to bang and, and back somebody down, he ends up getting knocked off and, you know, taking a fadeaway or something as opposed to where if he makes a quick up and under move or just gets it and, and rises up and shoots over somebody from eight to 10 feet, uh, I think he's much more effective. Rick is talking about playing faster, you know, playing more, more up-tempo, better spacing with, with that, but playing faster. How much faster can this team play? Does this team need to play faster in terms of, uh, you know, pushing tempo up the floor, you know, pushing the ball up the floor? I know they're trying to play quick now, but is there another another realistic level for, for where they can go from a from a pacing standpoint? I think so, but I th- also think in, co- in college basketball especially, so much of that depends on your opponent. Because don't you feel like it's pretty – I mean, you're going to give some things up on the your offensive rebounding, but if you just don't want to let somebody run – I mean, you can pretty much not let somebody run. You know, you can send three back the moment the ball goes up and send two to glass. Or, you know, if you want to play slow yourself, you can slow the game down. But I think against teams that aren't afraid of pace, I think Tennessee can go faster. I think Kennedy is good at it, but not quite where Rick wants him to be. I'd like to see Santi be a little more aggressive. You know, I I think he's – I think he's trying to this is this is my take anyway I think when he gets the ball and not necessarily in transition but in, in something where you could in a situation where you could get up the floor and get a shot early in the, in the in the clock I think he's more focused on getting a big picture read of what the floor looks like as opposed to just getting it and going and figuring things out on the fly Tennessee not getting to the free throw line a whole lot either no, no, just what we were talking about with the post but is, is, is that – does guards need to attack the rim more? To, I mean, do you need guards at the free throw line? But because... the only – I mean, the only guy that's really like that is Kennedy, don't you think? I mean, he, he can slip in there and, and get himself to the line, but, I mean, the rest of the guys don't really play that way. Santi's better than he was last year as far can as – Can Ziegler you know, play that way, or, or is he just not taught, not big enough? I just – I mean, I think he can get in there and surprise you sometimes, but he's not going to get to the rim like Kennedy did the other day for – Colorado for you know 10, 10 layups and probably right. 15 attempts. He just doesn't, he just doesn't have that. I mean, I, if you, if your best postman is taking three shots in a game, against a Southern conference opponent. You're not going to get the free throw line. You're not going to the line that much. No, that's and I'll tell you, I mean, I mentioned, I wrote this, but this is the most amazing stat I've seen in a long, long time. And it, ta- it talks to how Santi has changed his body and changed his game. All of last season, he had 18 two-point field goals for the year. And he's, he's in nine games this year, he's got 19. Wow. Yeah, it does go to – to me, it shows that he's got the confidence to be able to try to finish and he's but because he's physically better. And he's also moving so well without the ball. Yeah. That's the biggest thing I've noticed. I mean, he is – and guys are finding him. him. Him and Fulkerson have really good chemistry yeah. that way. But he's the best guy off the ball as far as cutting, losing his guy. That, that Tennessee's got. It's been it's it has jumped jumped off the page, if you will. Tennessee gets uh, South Carolina upstate tonight. Then it's Memphis on Saturday. Interesting Memphis team, a lot of talent, but clearly having a hard time coming together. A lot of young guys taking a lot of lumps. You wonder where their confidence is. Then you got Arizona looming, Rob, and then conference plays right around the corner. I mean, 
the time is now for this Tennessee basketball team to find some consistency and rhythm, isn't it? This is the last tune up tonight. I mean, it gets real. I mean, you know, Memphis is playing bad, but they'll be know, ready. I mean, they'll be ready. They'll be up for this, and they have a ton of talent. Arizona is sneakily ranked number eight in the country after winning at Illinois over the weekend. And I, don't, I, don't, I almost forgot to do we're calling this one tonight the Ty Green Invitational. Hate to right? hate to have to hate to have USC upstate come in and not not drop balls one one oh two four a shout out. There you go. It gets real. And it, I've watched Alabama the other night, pretty much that whole game um, against Houston on Saturday. That was a high level basketball game, and Alabama was really good. Yeah, I, I might. I would probably. I, I guess they're ranked in the top ten, so this isn't really a, a hot take, but I would say they're the, they're the favorites in the league right now. Yeah, there's certainly a certainly a balanced basketball team. They're really bouncy and athletic. They're, I mean, they're they're a good looking basketball team for sure. So. For Rick Barnes and his team, this is about finding your rhythm. This is about finding your, your, your identity on both sides. Get your rotation down, and we'll see what this team looks like, and we'll see what they can get done um, in this game tonight and in what happens this weekend against Memphis. We'll have full coverage of tonight's game, certainly full coverage of Memphis as well coming up on Saturday. Don't forget, we've got recruiting uh, throughout the day today. We'll track every rumor we can, run down everything we can, check on all the new guys going in the portal as fast as we can check on them. Uh, we'll have football coverage coming up uh, throughout the day today as well. Tennessee on the practice field. Alex Golish, Hendon Hooker, others supposed to meet with the media uh, coming up a little later this morning. That's all coming up at VolQuest.com. But that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.